You're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. For more sermons or information about our church, please visit ktnnaz.org or like Ketchikan Naz on Facebook. In a really long time. This place was packed. And I want to thank you guys because uh, you guys brought so much candy. Okay, so much candy. And we gave it away very generously. Um, there were prizes that were donated, and we gave them away generously. People walked in the door and felt loved. I know that in the kitchen I heard that there were comments about how good the food was. So thank you for bringing food, and uh, thank you for setting up the food and running the kitchen and making people feel loved and welcomed. I heard people come up, well, didn't hear it. People came up to me and said, hey, um, thank you for making us feel loved. We don't feel that a lot in this community, and you guys made us feel loved tonight. That was huge. That was huge. When that happened, it was like a big neon sign over that person's head, and it was like Jesus going, yeah, because we got to be Jesus for people through copious amounts of candy and some silliness. Um, We had about uh, 75, 76 kids come through. Um, with parents and cousins and family members and stuff, we saw about 145, 150 people here. That's huge. Um, And people all left smiling and sugared up. And so we think that that is good. We're looking forward to doing it next year, a little bigger, a little differently. We learned some things, and we're looking forward to it. So mark your calendars. For next Halloween, we're going to do something like that again because the community... Loved it. And we got to partner with a great church as well. In case you guys didn't know, we partnered with the Church of God. They helped staff some of the games, and they were indispensable to helping us pull this off because we are a church community here in Ketchikan, right? It's not one church out for their own good. It's the body of Christ serving the entire city as a whole, and we enjoy serving together with other churches. So I want to thank the Church of God as well for how they helped us out. Um, This morning, we are in... The Ten Commandments, right? This is where we have been for a while, with four weeks or so now. We are on the Fourth Commandment. So if you don't know where that is, then uh, I will tell you we are in Exodus. You can also find it in Deuteronomy, but we're going to be reading out of Exodus today. Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to read, oh, say to about verse 11, and then we'll pick another text up here in a few minutes. Um, But before we get into... Uh, the passages you guys are flipping. Here's the recap. For those of you that have short-term memories, for those of you that just need a refresher because it's been a long week, for those of you who have not been here or who have missed a week, here's what we've learned. We've learned that God gave us 10 commandments, um, otherwise known as 10 declarations for covenant living. So commandment sounds a little harsh. I like the declarations for covenant living. It's 10 things that God has told us that he loves us and he wants us to abide by these because things are going to go well for us. If we do, he upholds his end of the covenant, and these are the things that he would like us to do. Ten declarations for covenant living. The first is, um, we have one God, and we are to love and be in relationship with him. The second, just like that, we're not to allow anyone else to take precedent over God in our life. We have one God, him only, nothing above God, only things under God, and even then in a specific order. We are not to, like we talked about last week, take the Lord's name in vain. Right, We can do that in a lot of ways, and we discussed that in detail last week. So we have one God. He wants relationship with us. We have one God. He wants exclusive relationship with us. Um, How we talk about God is actually how we 
view God in our heart. So it's an act of worship in how we speak about him. And this week, we're going to talk about the Sabbath, what we mean when we say Sabbath rest and keeping it holy. This is important, equally as important as the other three that we've talked about. We have one God who wants exclusive relationship with us. We are to talk about him in a specific way because we love and honor him and his name is holy. But also the Sabbath rest is holy. And we're going to talk about that today, dispel some myths and talk about some practical ways for keeping the Sabbath in our life. But we want to break down this text for us first. So, um, oh yeah, helps if I turn it on. There we go. Here is the shortened form of, that should say Exodus 8 through 11. Um, Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, work 6, rest 1. That's the shortened form of the verse I'm about to read to you. Here it goes. This is God, remember, speaking. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you in your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is good news for us today, amen? That there is rest for us both in the um, physical sense and the spiritual sense, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. I want to pick this apart just a little bit. Remember, it doesn't just mean mark it on your calendar and celebrate it once a week, once a year. We would say remember, don't forget, tie a string around your finger, set an alarm on your iPhone, do what you need to do to remember so that you don't forget. That's an okay usage of the word. But the, the, the original language, the word remember here is to... Take something that happened in the past and make it so that it would be a living and active part of the present and the future. It's not just that you mentally remember. My wife is just wonderful. Um, I'm horrible with things like remembering to do all things important. And um, our iPhones are synced so that if she makes a to-do list, it shows up on my phone. So it will say things like, don't forget to, please do And then she puts exclamation marks next to it if I've forgotten to or have ignored the reminder. Because there's one thing to remember it and to see it on the screen and go, oh, yeah, I remember that I should call so-and-so about such-and-such. But then I hit the snooze button on it. And then another reminder pops up. Did you? Have you? Remember? Because, yeah, I remembered, but I didn't do it. Okay? So there's the mental remembrance, and thank you because I need that. There's the mental remembrance portion of it, but there's actually the living it out portion that is more important, right? And so this word means don't just remember the Sabbath rest. Don't just think nicely about the Sabbath rest, but take the things that God has crafted in the past and remember them into your present so that you are actually actively Sabbath resting um, is what he is saying here. You don't want your next generation to forget. And so if they are not taught the actual act of these kinds of things, then they will forget and it will pass away from their generation it's more than a mental remembrance it's celebrating and modeling that which has happened in the past so that it becomes part of the future and that's the word remember and now we got to talk about sabbath this is pretty simple it's basically rest this is a day that is rest sabbath rest it's the day that god set aside his creation he's called the lord of the sabbath lord sabaot in the original um Basically, God is 
restful for us. Um, he gives us rest physically and eternally. So we need to remember the Sabbath and then keep it holy. Um, of all of the attributes of God listed in the Bible, of all of the things that the Word tells us about the God that we love, the number one most frequently mentioned attribute of God is that He is holy. This is really important because if your mom tells you to clean your room once, it's important. If she tells you to clean your room twice, there's an emphasis there, right? And if she has to tell you three times, she really wants you to pay attention to what she's saying. Once is important, twice is really important, three times super important. The countless number of times that God tells us he is holy means that we really need to wrestle with what he is telling us. He is holy. It also means that he's other. He's, he's different than us, right? We're not holy. He is holy. We are, we are set apart in him, but he is definitely not one of us. He is different than all of us because he is completely holy, righteous, just, good, faithful, true, all of the things 100% of the time that we are not 100% of the time, right? And aren't we glad that we have a God who is perfect and gives us his perfection? Um, he is holy. He's different than us. We're sinful. He's not. We're created. He's eternal, right? We have to learn things. He knows all things all the time. And this concept of holiness is that um, six days we work, um, we do the same thing, we go to work, we get up at the same time, we, if you're like me, you eat the same breakfast, okay? You go through the same motions, you have the same habits every morning that's a work day. You get in the car and you drive the same route to work. You go to work and you sit at your desk and you talk to the same people. Sometimes you make the same jokes because the guy across the you know, office room from you, you have the same kinds of conversations every day. And there's a routine to your work week. And then there's supposed to be the weekend, right? That's different than the work week. It's other than your work week. It's a different kind of pattern. It's a different habit. And God would say this, it's holy, meaning it's different. It's set apart then. It needs to have a different purpose, a different rhythm, a different mode of relaxation, different thought processes, okay? So one day of the week needs to look different than six days of the week because God set it apart that way. And if all seven days of your week look the same, then you are not observing the fourth commandment. Um, it's set apart. It's different. And then six days you shall labor and do all your work. This is going to make us feel really special this morning. Okay, here you go. It's about the Sabbath and it's about work. So God says that there's work and there's rest, right? Um, God worked for six days to create the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. And then he rested on the seventh day. Um, this commandment keeps us from twin idols. There are two idols that stand opposed to one another. They're both idols. And so in that effect, if you worship either one of them, they take you away from worship of God. One is the idol of too much work. Work, 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 all is work. I can only work when I get home. I work on my computer. I ignore my family. I work, 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 work. My mind is at work. I might be at home, but I'm thinking about work. Okay, there's that kind of idol. The other kind of idol is um, laziness, okay? I, rest, rest, rest. All I want is rest. I want my comfort. I don't want to be inconvenienced by, I'm going to do the least amount of work I can possibly do and take off as many days as I possibly can 
two completely different idols on either side of the spectrum. And in the middle, God says, listen, you need to work. Work is good. Work most of your week. But be sure that you take time to rest. Um, You know, in the garden, there was work, right, before the fall. Sometimes we are under the false assumption that work began after the fall, that the curse was work. No, the curse is, is not work. Work is blessed by God. God said, listen, here's this beautiful garden. Name all the animals. How long do you think that took? Okay, That's a lot of things to name. That's work. But it was pleasurable, and it was good, and it was enjoyable, and there was time for rest. Now, when the fall occurred, sin entered the world, and the curse was that work would become difficult, laborious. We would struggle to either go to one end and worship it or to the other end and try and avoid it. And God, with this commandment, wants us to bring things into perspective, that we worship one God, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't bring anyone else into our relationship with him that's above him or equal to him in any way, shape, or form. We speak worshipful words about him, and in action, we choose to worship him uh, with our hands as we work, but also with our hearts when we rest. Um, So here's what it boils down to. We either worship work, or we worship rest, or we worship God. Um, I had um, a picture of a sloth, right? (laughs) Seven deadly sins, a little joke there. Um, We either worship work or we worship sloth, not him. But do you know that sloths move so slowly and are so um, slothful, for lack of a better term, (laughs) that moss actually grows on their fur? Um, okay, um, they are, if you just Google sloth, okay, when you get home, um, and you will see that they are like brownish on the side that hugs the tree, but on the side that, um, this guy came from a zoo, so he's bathed relatively regularly, um, but, uh, there are pictures of sloths where this side is actually like green, like cover, like moss, you pull moss off of them like you can off a tree, because they move so slowly Moss accumulates on them. We don't want to be like that in our life. We don't want to choose so much rest that we don't amount to any good and moss grows on us spiritually. We don't want to work so hard that we stop worshiping God because all we can think about is work. Okay? Um, so we don't want to be torn between two idols. We want to worship one God. Um, and, uh, and here's the history of Sabbath. That's the, the brief commandment there history of Sabbath. Do you know that this was a commandment given before the Ten Commandments? That the Sabbath commandment came into existence before Moses went up on the mountain? Um, If you flip backwards from Exodus 20 to Exodus 16, and you know, sometimes, you know, you ever read the Bible, and you read it, and you read it, and you're like, yeah, 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 it's in the Ten Commandments, and I'm reading through the Bible, I've read all the stories in order, I've read through the Bible several times in my life, and I read it from the first page to the last page. And sometimes you just don't get something until someone points it out to you. Okay, so I've read through Exodus 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 in one chunk before. Like, there's, there's a reading plan that I've read before that's like 10 chapters a day. So I read through all of this in one sitting, and I didn't catch that the Sabbath was in Exodus 16, and that occurs before Exodus 20. So here's what it says in Exodus 16, uh, 22 through 33, and I'll kind of sum it up for you. It says this, On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, 
two omers each. And when the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you'll bake and boil what you'll boil and lay over what's to be aside kept till morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them. And it didn't stink like the other days. There were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find manna in the field. Six days you will gather, and on the seventh, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. So there's this whole epic. You remember where the manna fell from heaven, and they're, they come out of their tents, and, then, and they're like, what is this? We should eat it. Um, and it doesn't, I mean, if you come out in the morning and there's strange substance on your floor, your first response is, what is this? We should eat it. That's not really what happened, but God promised them that they would have provision in the desert, Right? And so this manna arrived day in and day out, except on the day that was set aside for the Lord. So God said, listen, gather a little extra. Gather a little extra prior to the Sabbath, and it won't spoil. If you do that on any other day of the week, it will spoil the next morning. And they tried, and it spoiled, right? Because Israel is obstinate just like us, and we test the Lord. But um, on the Sabbath day, they would gather extra, and lo and behold, it was fine the next day. God provided so that... The day of rest could be a day of rest. It didn't have to be a day of work. Um, God valued setting his people apart. And one way of setting his people apart was to give them a day of rest. It made them look different and act different and feel different than every other nation in the world at that time. Um, It's mirrored after God's creation, right? Seven days uh, in the week, six days of work, one day of rest. Does that sound different than your work week? We got it good in America, right? Five days of work, two days of rest. We like the rest, so we added in an extra day for our work week. But we need to remember that God's pattern is six days of work, one day of rest. Now, your job might be five days a week, but there's an extra day that we have worked into our schedule for rest. Now, you can use it for work around the home, and then you have one day of rest. Pastors, we don't rest on Sunday. Sunday is not our Sabbath. Church day is great. I love being here. It's good for my soul. It's not a Sabbath rest day for me. Um, Saturdays are our Sabbath rest day. We get to enjoy. Fridays are usually the cleaning the house, so it's work around the house kind of day. So you have this pattern of six days of work, one day of rest. And it was the Sabbath, remember, to keep the day of creation celebrated, right? The day that God set aside, but also um, the day that they received freedom from slavery, Did they get rest while they were under Pharaoh's command? No. They were constantly worked, constantly overworked. And it even got worse when Moses showed up, right? Now you have to get your own straw, make the same number of bricks. There was no rest for the people of Israel. But God is a good God. He's a covenant keeper. And so he said, I want to take my people back. I want to give them rest from slavery. I want to give them rest from the tyranny that they would impose upon themselves. I want their bodies and their souls and their minds to be able to produce fruit. So God created man to work, and then he created man to rest. But what happens is um, the Israelites took the law, made 613 other laws from it, and decided to be very religious. Do you know that there are 39 types of work that are prohibited on the Sabbath? by the Jewish community, 39 types, categories of work. It's not like you can't collect trash. Holy cow, my mother is texting me like 900 times this morning. This is very awkward. Um, So 
Sorry, it's just it's buzzing, and I'm going to talk to my mom about that. So there are 39 <laughs> categories of work uh, that go into things you cannot do. And it's not simply you can't collect the trash and you can't um, work on computers. They are broad categories. You may not do anything that involves an ox or plowing of the field or anything that's agricultural. You may not sew any fibers together or weave anything together. You may not prepare food of any kind. I mean, we're talking, you pretty much have to sit there, okay? The way they worked it out legalistically was you really pretty much can just sit and breathe and worship God on the Sabbath. It goes a little too far. The Israelites took what was a gift, which is rest, and applied to it so many rules and regulations that the gift became a burden, that has become misunderstood now down through the centuries. They took something that was so beautiful, a day off and a day of rest and relaxation, and they applied so much, so many shackles to it that they enslaved themselves to something that is difficult. It became very work-filled and burdensome to keep a day of rest for the Israelites. And we need to figure out what they did that was so difficult, um, made it difficult for them, how we can not do that in our lives. So we're going to look at some Sabbath killers today. Things that kill your Sabbath. Um, Religious rules, not having a Sabbath heart, having a lack of plans, and misusing the day. These are probably the top four Sabbath killers. Let's explain them a little bit. Jesus says that Sabbath is a gift for man, that sometimes we make too many rules about it. How and when and in what ways we can Sabbath. What day do we need to Sabbath on, right? Is it Saturday Or is it Sunday? Rules about Sabbath filter into our point of view. The Israelites struggled what would happen if their child fell into a well on Sabbath. First of all, shouldn't have been at the well, right? Should not have been drawing water. Maybe the child should have fallen into the well. Teach them a lesson about Sabbath law. No, I'm not even joking. Like There was debate about this in Old Testament, the Midrash. The Jewish scholars would debate... If the child went to work and drew water and fell into the well, that was God's judgment on the child for working on the Sabbath. How horrible is that? Oh, my goodness. Parents, if your child fell into a well on the Sabbath, would you not try and pull your child out of the well? Probably scream and run and jump in to get your child out of the well, right? Because it's good to not have your child in a well. Sabbath... (laughs) Or no Sabbath. Um, What the Israelites did was put rules in place of the Holy Spirit. They put rules over God's intentions for their lives. And this turned the gift of God into a burden. So enjoy Sabbath as you would enjoy Sabbath, right? But don't impose your Sabbath rules on someone else. If you like to Sabbath on Saturday, Sabbath on Saturday. If you like to Sabbath on Sunday, Sabbath on Sunday. If Wednesday is your day off, Sabbath on Wednesday. But don't tell someone that if you don't Sabbath on the day that I Sabbath, and if your Sabbath doesn't look like my Sabbath, and if you pull your child out of a well, then you're not Sabbath. Don't do that, okay? Just Sabbath as you would Sabbath, and enjoy the Lord, and take your day of rest, and don't work so hard scolding other people's Sabbaths, okay? Um, And uh, and don't don't be religiously ruly about it um, is basically the point here. God gave you a gift. Um, and enjoy it peaceably with other people. The second thing that goes into this is having no Sabbath heart. You go through the motions of your Sabbath day, 
but your mind is elsewhere, right? So you, you've got a day where you're not working, but your mind is just churning and churning and churning. Even to the, you know, the first thing you wake up, you're checking your email. And the second thing you do is you're thinking about the deadline you have next week. And you're grumpy with your kids because you want to be there, but you don't want to be there. And all of these things happen when you don't have a Sabbath heart. Have you ever been at a family function or a church event or um, you're physically present, but you're not mentally present? Like you should be having a good time, but you're just not there. God doesn't want that for you on Sabbath. God wants you to be all in on Sabbath. Don't phone it in on the Sabbath. Also, lack of plans. Here's something really practical. Don't let the Sabbath roll up on you and not have something to do. Otherwise, you will be prone to serving the God of work or serving the God of sloth and not serving the God who gave you a day of rest. Make some plans. Um, If you have no plans, you do nothing. Then you make no memories with your family and you waste your time. How many of you would rather sit around and do absolutely nothing for a day versus planning a day to go out and go fishing or uh, go to a ball game or get together with some friends and enjoy a meal? Those kinds of things are great fun. Build some memories. Plan some Sabbath activities in pencil. Be flexible. Things change. But have some plans so that you don't just sit around your house and do absolutely nothing all day, every day. Now, I'll give you this. Sometimes it's really restful, and you need a day just to do nothing. But if that's your Sabbath every week, then you're missing out on relationship with other people and Sabbath was a community event as well. It wasn't just stay in your little hut and never come out. There was community Sabbath where the people would come together and say, the Lord gave us as a community this day to set us apart. So we will together Sabbath. It's kind of that thing. So make some plans. Um, The last thing that kills our Sabbath is misuse of the day. Did you know that the pattern of God's creation is there was evening and morning the first day? Right? So technically your day begins when? Dinner time. Okay? That's when your day starts. So if you get off on the wrong foot at dinner time, you're setting yourself up for a bad day the next day. How many of you came home late, had a late dinner, still had some things you needed to do, wanted to spend time with some family, you get to bed late, your mind just can't settle down, so you're playing Angry Birds on your iPhone or whatever you do, okay? You're reading a book late into the night. You fall asleep late. You sleep restlessly, okay? You wake up in the morning, and you're already at a deficit because you made poor choices the night before, right? So you're starting off your day on the bad foot if you're not planning through your dinner time and thinking that's actually the beginning of your day, evening and morning. Some of us need to change the rhythm to match God's rhythm, right? So that we think evening and morning, so that we become restful and prepared for the day's event so that we don't wake up with a deficit. Do you know the average person needs eight to nine hours of sleep a night? Any of you get eight to nine hours of sleep a night? I think all of us are looking at your hands going, oh, I wish. Okay? The average person gets only five to six hours of sleep a night. Science will tell you that that sleep debt that you are accruing, you do not get back. You cannot get enough sleep to make up for the sleep that you lose. Meaning we set ourselves up for a deficit when we don't plan our evening as the beginning of our day to get enough sleep to get us up in the morning with enough energy to be productive. And if we are tired when we wake up in the morning and we are cranky and we are running behind, then we are sacrificing 
time off to get done what we didn't get done during the week, right? Because if you're not as productive during your work days as you need to be, it leaves what portion of the week to get the rest of your work done? The weekend. When do you Sabbath then? So which God are you worshiping? Work. Um, And we don't intentionally do that, but we unintentionally do that when we don't start our Sabbath in the or our, our days in the evening time to prepare for the morning. We need to become um, better understanding of God's timing. Evening and morning prepares us better to get work done during the work week so that when we have Sabbath, we can Sabbath. These are just some practical things. I don't know if they apply to you, but I was going through this and studying this and going, well, yeah, um, I phone it in sometimes, and I really don't plan because... Sometimes I just like to sit in my Batman pajamas at home and do absolutely nothing. And um, uh, certainly I need to get into the mindset of evening and morning. That was probably what got me the most, evening to morning. I think that would make a huge difference in my life. Now here's the reasons we do Sabbath, okay? To save others and ourselves from ourselves. We'll get to that one. That's an important one. To have fun and to make memories, also important. To connect with Jesus and his people. To prepare for eternal rest and to remember Jesus and his work. You know the most destructive person in your life is you, right? The most destructive person in your life is you. It works that way for me. I push myself in ways no one else will push me. No one can push me as hard or as fast or as long as I can push myself. I push myself in ways I wouldn't push my child I push myself in ways I wouldn't push my wife. Um, I tend to be my own pharaoh in some ways, my own slave driver. Um, And uh, how many of you are like that? You'll work yourself and work yourself and work yourself because if I can just get that one more thing perfected or that one more thing done. But if you don't take a break, you will break, okay? If you don't take a break, you will break eventually. If you don't take a Sabbath voluntarily, you will involuntarily take a Sabbath, right? You work yourself too hard over a season of time, you will get sick. If you do not rest, you will have a mental breakdown. You can call it stress. You get depressed. You have an ulcer. You get burnout. More seriously, heart attacks, hospitalizations. You know, there was a season early in my ministry where I didn't handle balance at all. There was, my wife is going, it was horrible. Uh, And it really was, okay? I did not have any balance in my ministry life. Shelly was very pregnant. Um, I was working upwards of 75 hours a week, um, and it was devastating. I barely slept. I ate a lot of junk food because it was fast food. Chick-fil-A, albeit very good, but um, a lot of it doesn't prove well for your body. Um, I was managing an excellent team of people in youth ministry, several large projects at one point in time, and it got to the point where I was so lacking rest in my life I had three car wrecks in a month because my brain was fried. I just, wasn't, I just wasn't able to function like a normal human being. It got to the point where after three car wrecks and um, I just wasn't, I wasn't able to carry on a conversation with people that my team looked at me and said, you need a break. We can't handle you. Go away for a while. And they forcibly made me take a week off. It was the best thing they ever did for me. If you don't take a break voluntarily, you will eventually break. You need to save yourself and others from you, okay? You need to take Sabbath every now and again. The question is not, are you going to stop? The question is, are you going to stop joyfully 
or are you going to stop painfully? Um, God tends to be more gracious to us than we are to ourselves, right? Um, and I'm still a work at progress in this. I'm still learning balance, and there are times I get it wrong, and I go backwards instead of forwards. Um, but overall, um, I say this, I can get more done. And God says this, one of the things that's most important to me is time with you. But I can get more done. One of the things that's most important to me is time with you. Um, my daughter's really young um, to have chores that are really helpful to the household. Um, okay, uh, but it would sadden me if one day she said, I'm too busy to sit down with you and talk about my day. I don't, I'm too busy to give you a hug. I'm too busy to, I've got so much that, and there's going to come a day when school and sports and friends and theater and whatever she's into is going to drive her to be busy, and then she'll get home, and there'll be homework and dinner and phone calls and all of the things that go into being a human being in today's day and age. And if she said this to me, um, I'm too busy to sit on the couch with you and cuddle at the end of the day, Dad, break my heart. Because there's nothing more precious to me than having my daughter run into the room and say, Daddy, 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 and just I get to scoop her up and give her a hug, right? Because I want time with my child. It's precious to me. And I will let all kinds of things slide if I can hang out with my kid for a little bit, right? So flip that into reverse. You are God's children. And God looks at you and says, let's let some things slide. Just let it slide. Nothing is more important than spending a little time on God's couch, cuddling with your Father in heaven and letting him love on you a little bit. Um, It's important to take rest voluntarily. Otherwise, you'll take it involuntarily. Secondly, have fun and make memories. Religious people, not fun, okay? People who keep too many rules, not fun, okay? Um, Sadducees, they were sad, you see, Um, okay? (laughs) Religious people tend to be full of laws and rules and no fun. Jesus said that all the time. He made fun of the religious people because they had too many rules and not enough fun in their life. Jesus shows up. Kids are like, yay, Jesus, and they run to him because Jesus loved God, served God, worshiped God, embodied all of the things that God would desire of us, but he was fun. He made memories. He hung out with people. God is a father who likes his kids to have fun. So when Jesus shows up, the religious people got jealous um, because Jesus got invited to parties and religious people didn't. Um, So you know you're on to something, folks, when you get invited to parties, you get invited to the house of people who don't love Jesus, and you get invited to hang out with them because they like to be with you. You're not an overly religious person. You're just a Jesus follower who is fun to be around. And Jesus was like that. That's why they invited him to parties. And um, they, you know, liked to hang out with him. It was a good day, a fun day with Jesus. So um, maybe you on your Sabbath need to have some fun. Maybe you on your Sabbath need to let loose a little bit and relax. Sabbath is for fun. Sabbath is about worship. Sabbath is about setting aside a day to spend time with the Lord. But Sabbath is also about fun, right? Go and have fun fun with your family. Go and have fun with your friends. Um, In the Old Testament tithing system, they would travel to um, Jerusalem certain times of the years and festivals, and they would gather together, and they would have their tithe money saved up to give to the storehouse. But they would use some of that 27 point whatever percent tithe money. They would use that along the way 
to Sabbath with, to have meals with friends and family they hadn't seen in a while. It was important to set aside a day and some funding to have fun with people, to make memories. You might only see people one or two times a year, right? So Sabbath with them, rest and have fun. So what's fun for you? What's enjoyable for you and your family? If you are an extrovert, people are fun. You fill your bucket and you feel energized by hanging out with people. You want to go and be and do with everyone. So go and be and do with everyone and Sabbath that way. If you are an introvert, you see people and you think that is not fun. That sucks me dry. If I hang out with people, I will not be rested. I will have to go rest from people. So as you are building your Sabbath fun day, know whether you are introverted or extroverted. Know whether you get rest with people or away from people and find a balance. And people who are extroverted don't need to look at introverted people and say, why are you not Sabbathing with me? Come and have Sabbath fun with me and my 100 friends because they will need a break from you, okay? And people who are introverted don't make an extrovert sit alone in a room and be quiet all day. That's going to drain them and they're going to bug you, okay? So know your personality. Know how God created you and Sabbath accordingly. Find like-minded people and Sabbath, okay? Um, And then you need to connect with Jesus and his people. The Sabbath forces you to spend time with the Lord and his people, right? Because it's the day that you set aside to come to church. You are volunteering to come and hang out with a bunch of people in a room for a period of time to listen to one person talk at you, okay? You are volunteering to hang out as a corporate group of people. It's a time for Bible reading and prayer, silence and solitude, You can go for a hike and talk to the Lord. You can play your guitar. You can sing out loud. But you need to connect with the Lord on Sabbath. It's about fun, and it's about relationships with other people. But it's a day that's holy to the Lord, and you are to rest with him as well. Um, Sometimes we get so busy, we um, we forget to have time for things and people. We're so busy, we work on the house and the car and the job, and we forget people. Um, And the only way that, let me put it this way, the only thing that you're going to take with you into the kingdom of God is the people that are in the family of God. You don't take stuff with you. You take people with you, right? And even then you don't take them with you. They're just going to be there, okay? Um, Right, but you get what I'm saying, right? The only thing that comes with you is the people that love the Lord. Wouldn't it be great to Sabbath with some people? Um, who don't yet love the Lord, to invite them to your house for a meal. And you just, you honor the Lord by praying before the meal. And it's a chance to share Christ with someone who doesn't know Christ. Um, Be sure that you connect with Jesus on Sabbath. Be sure that you connect with people on Sabbath, both believers and non-believers. And um, something else that this does um, is it prepares you for an eternal rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. In Hebrews 4, 8 through 10, um, the author likens heaven to an eternal Sabbath, an eternal rest. And that doesn't mean an eternal sitting around in my Batman pajamas, okay, watching, you know, Discovery Channel. Um, It doesn't mean there won't be work, but the work won't be cursed, which will be nice. (laughs) Um, it, It is so frustrating when you're trying to do something and it breaks. You're trying to do something and it doesn't work. Uh, It never comes together. The plan doesn't work. You have to keep adjusting things. In heaven, you will have work, and it will be wonderful and blessed. 
and that will be a wonderful Sabbath. It's also um, a day to look upon what Christ did for us, right? To remember Jesus' work. Um, True or false? Are you saved by works? Trick question. Um, True, but not your own. Jesus' works saved you, right? Ha, 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 pastor trick question. Um, You are not saved by your own works, but you are saved by the work of Christ. Um, And we don't think about it like that, but we need to think about it like that. In all your work, you cannot keep the fullness of the law. In all your work, you cannot be perfect. But Jesus, in his perfection, met every demand of the law. So when God became man and lived without sin and endured temptation and went to the cross and suffered and died in our place for our sins and was buried and got up three days later in the resurrection, think, I think that Jesus would tell you that was a lot of work for your salvation. Jesus worked out your salvation with his own body. What we do on the Sabbath day is something that should be different than we do on any other day. What we do on the Sabbath day is different than is done in any other religion. Every other religion teaches you need to be saved, then you need to work. You need to be reincarnated. You need to pay off your karmic debt. You need to be a good person. Your good deeds need to outweigh your bad deeds. You need to live a moral life. But Christianity does not teach that we work for our salvation. Christianity teaches that Jesus worked out our salvation and we trust in his finished work. We trust that it's completed and made perfect through him for us. That's why on the cross Jesus said, it is finished. All the work's done. All the work is done. And once the work is done, all that remains is that we trust and we rest in the work that has been done for us. On our Sabbath day, we're remembering that my relationship with God did not begin with what I've done, and it's not sustained by what I do, and it's not guaranteed to the end by my work or my effort. I'm saved beginning to end through and through by Jesus and his work. He saved me, he walks with me, and I get to stand before him in the end and worship him in true Sabbath rest where all the pains of this life are gone and all the sorrows are gone, all the tears have been wiped away, all the aches and the sufferings and the trials are gone. And there is just rest before my Lord. Um, Some of you are doers. You do, you do, you do, you do, you do. And doers need to realize It's been done, 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 right? Here's what it boils down to. Sabbath summary. Any day of the week could be Sabbath day. Christian church, we set aside Sunday to worship corporately. Make sure that you Sabbath. If Sunday's not your Sabbath, make sure that you Sabbath. You can do it alone or with others. The Sabbath, it's a gift from God. So don't just stick it in the corner and forget about it. Sabbath prepares you for good work because you are rested. If you are rested, you are able to do so much more than you are not rested. And it prepares your soul for rest in Christ. It's practice for the big day. This morning, I would say this. If you are in need of rest, and I would say that would apply to any of us and all of us in one way, shape, or form. If you have worked too much, if you have overburdened yourself, 
If you've worked yourself to the bone, then Jesus says this to quote him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I am gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus promises you today. If you need rest, you can have it. If you need eternal rest, you can have salvation. If you need just a day of rest, God's already given it to you. So just take a hold of that promise and run with it. Have some fun with it and worship God because of it. And we get to worship this morning in song. Um, I would say as we sing and as we sing the words, do you just sit and maybe not sing right away? Maybe just listen and maybe just pray. Ask God to show you the areas in which you need rest. Ask God to give you rest. He could literally today lift a burden off your shoulders and take the weight away and you would have rest. And if you need that this morning, it's yours. All you need to do is ask him and he'll give it to you. All right, get this. It says in scripture that God is eternal, that God goes before us and comes after us and comes alongside of us, that he is our great rest which means that you get to celebrate Sabbath every day, that God is with you forever and always, and Sabbath can be every day. And while he says we work for six and rest for one, I think we can work for six and Sabbath while we do that. Amen? Amen. So go and know that Jesus Christ is your rest, both today and tomorrow and for eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in peace.